0: Estaban de visita en Jerusalén judíos piadosos, procedentes de todas las naciones de la tierra. Al oír aquel bullicio, se agolparon y quedaron todos pasmados, porque cada uno los escuchaba hablar en su propio idioma. Desconcertados y maravillados decían: ¿No son galileos todos estos que están hablando? ¿Cómo es que cada uno de nosotros los oye hablar en su lengua materna? Wawa wakao Mesopotamia, uYahudi na Kapadokia, Port na Aisha, Falgia na Polshkia. Kalne, uh, pande zamirli, Libya, karibu na Kalne, na wageni wakao Rumi, Wayahudi na Wakrete, Nawarabu, na Waarabu tunawasikia hao wakisema kwa lugha zote matendo makuu ya Mungu. Wakashangaa wote waka Nashaka wakambiana ma nayake mambohaya ni nini wengine wadithika wakisema wamelewa convenio umpia the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's uh, unite our hearts in prayer. Glorious Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, on this celebration of Pentecost, this promise echoing and building with momentum throughout the Old Testament, the day that you would send your spirit to your people, how we praise, bless, and adore you. Now, Lord, thank you for these three languages we just heard all declaring your praise through the reading of Scripture, English, Spanish and Swahili. Father, it does unite us to this text, the day when 12 different nations, three different regions of the world were gathered at the appointed time when you sent forth your spirit. How we pray that you would connect us with that day, not as mere historians, but as those who are your sons and daughters who live in the benefits of your spirit even when we forget, even when we get disconnected. Oh, Lord, come now on this Lord's Day and remind us of the one that you have given to us. As we cast light on God the Holy Spirit, Father, we remember that he is the one who casts an even greater light on the Lord Jesus For God the Holy Spirit has come to make much of Jesus. We pray that that would be our experience this morning, both in the study of the Word of God, but also as we come to the table of our God, this glorious celebration of grace and mercy. Stir within our hearts, Father, the faith we need to meet fresh grace at this table that celebrates the ongoing work of the Spirit in our hearts in light of the once and for all finished work of Jesus. To this end we pray with great thanksgiving and anticipation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Maybe not in any daytime or day planner or calendar you have at home, but in the church calendar, this is the Sunday that the church historically celebrates as Pentecost Sunday. The word Pentecost itself is, of course, wired to a numeric figure, the number 50. And in the history of Israel, Pentecost was celebrating two great affirmations, also in light of the 50 day cycle. In the Old Testament, we see that 50 days after God's people left Egypt, the the Lord gave the law. So one of the ways that Pentecost historically has been celebrated by Israel is, God, thank you that you didn't leave us to our own wisdom. You you gave us your word. You gave us your law. You delivered us from Egypt, and you gave us your law. But even before that, Pentecost was celebrated 50 days after Passover. Uh, 50 days after Passover would have been the time when in the calendar of Israel the end gathering of the harvest would be realized. So Israel would come back to Jerusalem and they would come with their crops and they would offer the first fruits of their co- crops in praise to God. God, thank you for being faithful yet again. You've promised seed time and harvest and, and, and we have been gathering through the sweat of our labor, but by the faithfulness of you, our God, these crops. So those two themes, two fifties. A cycle of 50, bringing about a remembrance of the generous God that has prospered the work of our hands and has fed us, gathering in our crops, but also the giving of his law. Well, when the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, there was another 50 days put in place that helps us understand Pentecost now as it's celebrated in the church of Jesus Christ. It was 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus that the promised Spirit came. And maybe readily with me, just those of you that have studied this before, but those of you that are intrigued with image and metaphor, you, you can think about the connection. What would, what would the giving of the Spirit in the Christian story share in common with in-gathering of crops and the giving of the law of God? Well, even as we've already heard a part of our text this morning read in different languages... All of history is built around not simply God faithfully enabling us to gather in our crops. No, all of history is bound up with God's commitment to gather in his children from every single race, tribe, tongue, and people group. That's one of the principal realities that was celebrated in that day in Jerusalem when God literally poured out his Holy Spirit. Every nation known to those alive at that time... We're gathered, God-fearing Jews from the dispersion, from, from all over. They are there, and this incredible experience of hearing all these different tongues loosened by the Spirit of God. Going forward in the book of Acts, we will see the great harvest of men and women coming in by the grace of God. If you are new to the Christian faith or just exploring it, please understand that the way God tells his own story, he is a very inclusive God. All of history structured by his commitment to bring together a family from every single race, tribe, tongue, and people group. But likewise also for those gathered in Jerusalem as they began to reflect upon the history of their story and how it finds its fulfillment in Jesus, God in giving of the law and now the giving of his son in life, death, and resurrection shows us that Jesus is the one that has fulfilled the law for us. And that is enormous for you and for me, to understand that we are not here on the Lord's Day to rededicate ourselves to the things of God, to try to put a bigger smile on God's face by the works of our hands. Now, Pentecost reminds us that when Jesus was raised from the dead and declared these words, it is finished. The law has been fulfilled for us. But also as was read through our assurance of salvation this morning when John read from Ezekiel 36, the law now by the Spirit of God is written upon our hearts. We're not a people who abide the finger of God writing His Word on stone tablets as He did for Moses. No, now through new life in Christ, God writes His Word upon our hearts and and by His grace, He gives us a desire to know, love, and please Him. What does this look like? And what... Specifically, can we draw from this remarkable text and the next words in Acts chapter 2 that can give us encouragement today. What is the meaning of Pentecost for us? A rich background, but a grand reality. Well, in your outline, you see three words I'm going to use today for this meditation before we come to the Lord's table. Three words that are connected to images on the day of Pentecost. And the three images are these. Wind, words, and wonder. Three good W's. Maybe that will help you kind of go away today thinking about what, what was the Lord saying today through his word? What, 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 what would be important for my heart to ponder? Wind standing for the breath of God. Words standing for the reach of God. Thirdly, wonder highlighting the gospel of God. Well, in, in order to get us there, if you have a Bible, or actually these words are in your bulletin today, I want to pick up where our readers left off this morning because the Apostle Peter stood up in light of this incredible experience. You, you see the phenomenon of, of, of these tongues of fire coming and resting on everyone present in the upper room and this sound of wind, all these elements. Of, of, of course, people that were bystanders begin to ask, what does this mean? But the good news is, we don't have to figure it out on our own. The apostle Peter was present, and he stood up. Read along with me in verse 14 from Acts chapter 2. And let's, let's see how this question that, 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 that is asked by this crowd is answered so beautifully, connecting us to these three images this morning. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who are in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. See, Scripture interprets Scripture. And the the best way we're going to get after the meaning of Pentecost is to say, Lord, Lord, show us. What does this mean? So Peter's saying, let me help you understand what this phenomenon is all about. Let me help you understand these strange images. Let me help you understand why you see these who are gathered now with a profound sense of peace and joy. First thing Peter says in this text, look at verse 15. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's that's a, that's a conclusion they would they would draw as bystanders. You're, you're, you're in the temple precincts. We don't know exactly where this gathering took place, but there were 120 gathered. But as, as things were unfolding, the, the noise, the wonder, the beauty, the sounds, the sights, raised this speculation. These these people are beginning their day with a keg party. But Peter's very clear. No, you're, you're right in seeing joy. You're right in understanding there's been an affect upon those that have received this phenomenon. But it's not dependent upon anything necessary outside themselves. In terms of alcohol or some kind of stimulation. They didn't just get a, a good report on the Dow Jones average. It wasn't just that good news came in. No, what happened was the Spirit of God came in. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. 9 o'clock in the morning, says Peter. This is the explanation of this joy. He goes on to describe. Now, this is what the prophet Joel said. Now, Peter, to interpret Pentecost, is going to go back to one of the Old Testament prophets, Uh, one of the prophets that that was given the gift of looking ahead in the future where at an appointed time, God would give his promised spirit. And quoting from the prophet Joel, here's what Peter says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. That little three-letter word is enormous in terms of understanding Pentecost. In the last days, which by the way, let's think about that for a moment. According to the Bible, the last days began with the first coming of Jesus. The last days are not connected with the last coming of Jesus. See, the Bible tells the story that between the resurrection of Jesus and the return of Jesus, that whole era is the last days. The Bible says the last days, the final epoch, the messianic era, began with the resurrection of Jesus. And between resurrection and return, this is the era of the Spirit. This is the promised day when something extraordinary would take place with regard to the third person of the Trinity. He goes on... I will pour out my spirit on all people. And now look at the inclusiveness. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In other words, no one graduates out of this story. No one is too young to find the spirit's work stirring them and and writing them into a story of redemption and restoration. And no one is too old. We don't retire, we refire, we refocus, we refuel. Incredible vision here, what God would do. He goes on, on both men and women, I will pour out. The Greek word for pour here has far more to do with a torrential downpour as opposed to simply your nice little galvanized watering bucket that you're sprinkling waters on your daisies. The image here is a profuseness, uh, an extravagant gift, a coming of the Spirit who will do things in the lives of God's people and in their world that can only be imagined from afar. Peter goes on. Even on your servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. It doesn't mean that everybody has the gift of prophecy, but it does mean that every child of the living God will be given new words, a new understanding, uh, a song in their heart, that can only be explained in terms of the work of God's Spirit, showing them more and more and more of Jesus. We, we, we all have different gifts, but we all are given words. Every, every nation, see, scriptures are anticipating that growing family of God that the Lord himself is creating this very day as we stand here, sit here. I will show wonders in heaven and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke, the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we'll see in a moment where Peter goes from there, but let's just sit in this for a few moments. Let's just sit in both what our friends read and what we just read in this next section in the book of Acts. The wind of God, the breath of God... Words, the reach of our God, just, just bringing in men and women from all kinds of backgrounds and ethnicities. And then the gospel of our God, the wonder, what, what, really, what really alone is worth capturing that part of your heart and my heart that we call astonishment. You see, we all live by what we love. There's not a person in this room that is not whose schedule, whose spending, whose fears, whose joys is not impacted by that which you could truly say, I am in all of this, whether that all is fear or whether that all is affection. Well, briefly, for the sake of time we have, let's consider each of these three. By the breath of God, here's what's being highlighted on the day of Pentecost, even as John read. God promised a day when, when all of his people would receive the Spirit and he would live inside of all of them. So the breath of God, the Spirit of God, let's consider briefly this morning the good news of Pentecost for you and for me. If you're a follower of Christ, here are some of the things that God's Spirit has already done in you and is continuing to do, whether or not you are aware of it, whether or not you've forgotten it, whether or not you have have even a longing for these things. Spirit of God, the breath of God came to us even before we became Christians. Uh, There will be a day in heaven when we will look back and understand more clearly than maybe we can acknowledge now that we know Jesus completely because God in his generosity showed us the depth of our need and the wonder of his provision. We call it regeneration. But the Bible talks about being born again. Actually, the Greek word is better translated born from above. The new birth, coming to know Jesus. It presupposes that we finally are convinced my effort, my goodness, my religiosity, my spirituality, my tears, my penance, it cannot change me. My need is too great. I'm dead in my sins and trespasses. I need resurrection. Well, the good news of the breath of God for all of us is that that's how we became Christians. That's how we become a Christian. God shows us the depth of our need, but also the height, the splendor of his provision for us in Jesus. Jesus. Spirit of God also seals us. The Greek word, the image of sealing in Scripture, it is the same word that's used in secular Greek for a wedding ring. It's just marvelous to consider this, that if you're a Christian today, one of the things that the Spirit of God has already done for you and to you and in your heart is seal you. You are protected. You are kept by and for Jesus, and at least in your heart, you can offer a quiet amen if some of these things land on your heart with encouragement today. You, you are, see, Jesus is the spouse you always really wanted. That's why the Bible says that we will, we will not be living as couples in the new heaven and new earth. Rather, we'll be in the perfect society of this whole family of God. Every marriage in this world is a temporary marriage. It's meant to show the beauty of what it means to be sealed, marked, bought by Jesus, confirmed by the Spirit within us. Spirit also indwells all of us. See, in the Old Testament, before the fulfillment of the great promises of the coming of the Spirit realized at Pentecost, the Spirit of God would come upon prophets, priests, and kings. But there was no image in the Old Testament that every, everyone that, that loved the living God had the permanent indwelling of the Spirit of God. Now, through Pentecost, we, every one of us, that trust Jesus plus nothing for our salvation, the Spirit of God is living inside of us. What does he do inside of us? And this is also important. And Some of us today are hearing things we've known 20 or 30 years, but we need to remember again, because when you get tired and weary and burned out and disconnected and distracted, we forget so much of the good stuff. Spirit of God indwells us. One of the main things he does is, according to Paul in Romans 8, is he constantly bears witness with our spirits that we are sons and daughters of the living God. One of the main ministries of the God Spirit is to talk to you every single day, that you're not an orphan, that you have a father that loves you. But you see, the key thing there is, How am I living my life? Which voices am I listening to? And that's a very operative question for all of us. Think about the last three weeks, three months, three years. Predominantly, who or what are you inclined to listen to? Could be your own dusty monologue of how much you don't like life. Sometimes you turn up the volume on the microphone and you hear yourself contemptuously more than anybody else. Sometimes we hear social media louder than we hear the Spirit of the living God. Sometimes we listen to our pain more consistently than to the wonder of what it means in that real pain to belong to one who loves us, who's not going to let go of us. Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're sons and daughters of the living God. The Spirit reminds us that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Therefore, Spirit lives in us to convict us of our sin, but not condemn us for our sin. Jesus stood condemned in our place. Spirit now convicts us. And what's so awesome about that is this. The more we read the Scripture, the more we meditate upon Scripture, we can have the certainty that if I'm feeling condemnation, it is from the dark one. It is not from my Father. Conviction is coming back to gospel sanity. It's really believing that God's ways are good, true, beautiful, and pure. It takes the spirit to reconvince me of that because other people claim the right to define my narrative. That's why scriptures say that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. If Jesus is not, if you're not giving every single day, if you're not acknowledging every day, there's only one person that has the right to write your story. I'd say, throw down that pen out of your hand. You're not a very good editor. He is a perfecter. He's writing. He's convicting. He's freeing us. Spirit is a spirit of healing. Spirit is the one that sets captives free. Where are the chains we still carry? What are new chains we've wrapped around our own feet because we have taken on the role again of spiritual orphans? See, the scriptures say that spirit is a spirit of sonship, restoring to us that cry, Abba, Father, if, 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 if Abba, Father, has not been a cry in your heart for quite some time, I've got good news for you. Don't feel condemned about it, but understanding that the Spirit of God is a renewer. He restores to us the joy of our salvation. Spirit of God is the one who lives inside of us to transform us, to actually give us a love for a holiness. Holiness is no longer to someone that understands the gospel, a list of ten rules. It's the sighting of the beauty of Jesus and connecting with your longing to be more like him. The Spirit does that. This is why Paul writes in Ephesians five eighteen: be filled with the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. The Spirit means your freedom. The Spirit means your wholeness. Spirit comes to you in your pain, longings, and misery. Spirit, lastly, I wish I could have about two hours to talk about this stuff. Lastly, let me just highlight this one. The Spirit prays inside of you. One of the greatest ministries of the Spirit, according to Scripture, is He is the Spirit of intercession, means this, that when you don't know what to pray, when you don't want to pray, when you forget to pray, the Spirit is praying inside of you. And he's praying what you would pray if you knew what he knows. Paul writes in Romans 8, the Spirit of God prays for us inside of us, literally according to the will of our Father. It doesn't mean give up on your praying, but it does mean get over the burden of thinking that you are as free as your prayers are good. Do you understand sometimes the best prayer you'll ever pray is help and sit there linger there? Because the spirit of intercession is stirring within you this good news. Secondly, again, the wind, the breath of God, the spirit indwells and works in every single believer. This, we celebrate this at Pentecost, but we also celebrate this words. We saw images of tongues of fire coming on not just a few, not just the apostles in the room, but every single believer from these 12 nations. And that's so important as we go forward in the book of Acts because it underscores what we've already said. History is not defined by terror in our streets right now this morning. History is defined by streets in the New Jerusalem brimming over with a family from every single race, tribe, tongue, and people group. That's why we can live as we seek to live in West End Community Church. It's a missional church. It's why you've got visions of a... of a a Burundi nurse from our church, where where this is not kind of show-and-tell time, it reminds us, we get our eyes off of our own little micro-narrative, we're in the larger story. Our labors in the Lord are not in vain. We plant churches, why? Because words are coming to all of God's people. The calling, the empowering, the gifting of God's Spirit. We are a servant people. Spirit moves us from being consumers in the church to those being consumed with the glory of Jesus. Truly, our labors in the Lord are not in vain. Again, so much more that can be said about that, but I need to get to the third point. And we can be redemptively redundant with this one all the time. When, meaning the breath of God reminds us, Pentecost is uh, God's Spirit coming to all of us, all of us in equal measure, different manifestation, but He is in your life. He's coming, however, also to all people irrespective of their ethnicity and nationality. The Lord is gathering a family. But thirdly, the word wonder. When the crowd on that Pentecost day heard this incredible crowd all simultaneously in all these different nations praying and praising at the same time, they were described as declaring the wonders of God. So this would be the descriptor of what was actually heard in all these different national languages. What was heard was this crowd is set free to get their eyes off themselves and they are praising God. It's where Peter picks up later in Acts 2 that shows us what they were talking about. Where where are the wonders of God most fully celebrated? Where is the wonder of God? most concentrated well in peter's sermon he as he explains pentecost immediately he doesn't start talking about the holy spirit he starts talking about jesus this is jesus he says showing us that even as jesus promised that when the spirit of god came he would say so much more about jesus See, the good news for us today is this, that as a church, as individual believers, we will never be too preoccupied with Jesus. Let it never be said by any person in Western Community Church that none of us ever say, I've got the gospel. What's next? Folks, it is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the wonder that we need in your heart and my heart, that we need to keep coming back to when there is far less wonder in our world and our family and our experience and and, and whatever your life looks like right now, the wonder we need in the core of our being is seeing more of Jesus, seeing Jesus again. And this is why in Peter's sermon, he goes there. And it's also why right now, as I come just to take us to the next step of the service, the the, the logical place on any first Sunday of the month in Western Community Church would be what I'm about to do, which is to, which is to, Offer words of institution for the Lord's Supper...